Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. The coming of Zion's king. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise, Lord God, because you are our living hope. Father, we give you praise because of what this word in front of us today says to us that our future is right, that our future is secure because our King has come. Not to serve, sorry, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We thank you for Jesus Christ, his life, his victory, which guarantees our victory. And I pray now, Lord God, that as we look at your word, we would see him in a new and fresh way, delight in him, celebrate him, rejoice in our reality and rejoice in your goodness. So would you give us the hearts and the ears that are ready to hear, to understand and to apply, to live what you say, to walk out of here with faith deep in you because you are good, because you are with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are looking at Zechariah chapter 9, 9 to 10. I'm reading from the CSB Bible, and I know some of you don't have it, so we bought some. I don't know if they told you that, but there's some in the back. If you need one, you can grab one, or if, I'm sure if you got a phone, you got about a million translations on your phone, so just make sure you're using a proper one, all right? All right, so Zechariah 9, 9 to 10, and the title of the message is, Praise God, because our King has come. Praise God, because our King has come. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 9 in chapter 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So verse 9 starts with a promise from God. It says, your, your king is coming to you. So this is prophetic literature. This is a promise from God. And here's the thing. God is not like FedEx. This week, FedEx told me that I was going to get something in the mail on Wednesday. I got home on Wednesday ready for that thing to be on my front step. It was not there. 
God is not like FedEx. They make you a promise and they don't deliver. When God makes a promise, he delivers on that promise. He keeps his word. Matthew 21 says, is it coming for us, Steph? There it is. When they approached Jerusalem, Jesus sent two disciples telling them, go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. Watch this. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet, what we just read, might be fulfilled. There should be another slide. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and then they laid their clothes on on them and then then he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The people shout praise because why? Their king had come. Our king had showed up. And this tells you a couple things. One, the Bible is one complete story. Notice what was promised in the Old Testament we see being fulfilled in the New. And that's because the Bible has one divine author, the Holy Spirit. It says in, in 2 Peter, it says that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that tells you, you can trust the word of God. Here's the other thing. Your joy should not be tied to what people say and think about you. You're like, where is he getting that from? Well, the same people who were yelling, Hosanna, screaming praises in that same week, because this is Palm Sunday, which is today. In that same week, they turn around and they yell, crucify him. Crucify. People change like the weather. The person telling you right now you're the best thing since sliced bread might not talk to you in a week. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus loves you. He, the Bible says he loves you with an everlasting love. And so you put your joy and your hope in Jesus Christ alone. That's where your joy should come from. Here's the other thing. You can trust the promises of God. God says something, he will do it. Now, Bob Marley's got a song called Three Little, Wor- Three Little Birds. If you, ever heard, if you don't know the song, go home and listen to it. It's going to bless you, I promise. And in the song, there's a line when it says, don't worry about a thing. Right, Pastor Sean? Because every little thing. See, it pays to be, a, right? Sabrina's already doing one of these. Right? Ready for that fellowship lunch after this. I'll play it, I promise. Look, I'm not afraid. Don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Saying, don't worry. Hey, right? Pays to be a Jamaican. Now, I'm telling you that because the rest of this text shows that for the Christian, that is true. Don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Look at verse 9. It says, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey, on, the, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here's the thing. You can have peace about your personal future 
Because, our, because of our king's character. Because of our king's character. Notice it says that he is righteous. And this is a contrast because all of Israel's kings before were flawed. Saul, insecure and jealous. David, a murderer. Hezekiah, prideful and selfish. Solomon, multiple wives and concubines. They, were, they used their people and they abused their power. That was, that, was the, that was the kings before. And these kind of leaders are still around today. You look in our culture, we still have that. That's why we have things like genocide. That's why there are things like broken churches. That's why there's corrupt governments. That's why people ignore politics and politicians. We think, I can't trust that guy or lady. That's why people struggle to trust pastors. Some of you, you're new here, and you're in that spot. You're like, I don't know if I can trust that guy. That's why some people are fleeing countries. See, all history has ever produced is flawed leaders. That's all history has ever told us, except for Jesus Christ, the one unflawed king of the world. And so this here tells you, you know what you do? You pray for leaders. You don't worship them. You lift them up in prayer. They need it. I need it. We also need to be actively willing to remove abusive leaders who overstep. We don't ignore that. We speak up and we, we take steps if they abuse their position to remove them from that position. And it's also, also this one. We hope in Jesus Christ alone. We thank God for good leaders and good activists, some of them in the world doing good things, but they cannot save us. The only one who can save us is the true king of the world, Jesus Christ. That's where our hope lies, nowhere else. Text says he is righteous. Talks about the way he behaves. It's reminding you that Jesus never sinned. It's reminding you that Jesus is a king who rules justly, that Jesus, where all the kings previously misrepresented the character of God, he perfectly represents God's character to us. And here's the thing, his resurrection proved that. That's why the text says he was victorious. You see that there in verse 9? He is righteous and victorious. That word there has the idea of someone who goes through something and overcomes it. It's speaking of the resurrection. And here's the thing. His victory guarantees your victory. Remember I told you everything's going to be all right. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, there's a day coming where you will be raised to life. Not because of our righteousness, but because of his. And so what do we do? We praise God. We praise God because the Bible's telling you your future is secure. So you give praise. Next, our king is humble. Notice it says, he is, he is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. I want you to notice here that Jesus comes in unarmed. See, kings in those times came in flexing. They would want you, they would have chariots in front of them. They're soldiers. They're trying to show you their military might and their power. Not Jesus. He rolls in humble. And that's because he trusts God to take care of him, to carry him through the suffering that he was about to experience. That's, he's on this donkey, but he's going to a cross. And he trusts God. Peter says here in 2 Peter, 1 Peter 2, 21 says that Jesus leaves us an example to follow. 
See, pride says to you, trust in yourself. Pride says, don't rely on anyone. Pride says, don't go to God. Do your own thing. Pride says, don't ask the people of God for help. You're fine. Pride lies to you. Pride traps you because it's sin. Pride takes you down a destructive and dangerous road that only harms you and harms the people in your life. Humility says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust and depend on God. That is what humble people do. And here's the thing, when you trust in God, when you humbly depend on God, you know what he does? He equips you with wisdom. When you trust in God, he sustains you through the trials that come. When you trust in God, when you humbly say, God, I need help. God, I can't figure this thing out on my own. I've been trying, but today is the day that I'm laying down in surrender. When you do that, then God guides you through life. He says, thank you for being a humble child of the king and coming to me for the help that you need. That's what humility does in our life. Verse 10 says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. We can have peace about where our world is headed because of what our king will accomplish, because of what Jesus will do. I want you to notice, you read your Bible well, that now, the actual verse 10, the writer begins to speak in the first person. Do you notice it? It says, I will. And what's starting to happen here is that God is now describing what he will do through this king who has come. Here's the first one. Our king will spread the message of peace. He'll spread the message of peace. Look, it says, verse 10, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. Notice it's not limited. It's to all people. He will proclaim peace to the nations. Now, to proclaim peace is just simply to proclaim the gospel. That's what it means to proclaim peace. Isaiah 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful are the feet of the herald who proclaim peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Mark 1, verses 14. To 15, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, repent and believe in the gospel. See, sin separates us from God. Sin creates hostility between us and God. But the gospel says, come back to God. The gospel is the offer of peace. The gospel is what brings us back into this restored relationship with our Father. And Jesus proclaimed that. Again, fulfill the prophecy. You read the Gospels. He didn't just say, Jews come back to God. He said, Gentiles. He called everyone back to faith in God. I want you to know that our king is a preacher. I'll say it again because only Jermaine got it. Our king is a preacher. See, sometimes in church and in the culture, we look down on preaching. Now you're like, ah, oh, this is real self-serving. You're talking, you're doing what? 
But part of my responsibility is to just tell you the truth, even when it comes to directly to what I'm doing. Preaching is a gift from God. Preaching is God's way of advancing the gospel in the world, one of the ways. And so sometimes we're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm happy about the singing, but now I got to sit here and listen to it. This is God speaking through whoever's up here, calling you to a certain way to live. And so we honor and we respect the preaching of the word. We look forward to it. We pray for it before we get here. That, I think sometimes they spin things on Instagram saying to you, read the thing that's coming up. Do that. It's a way to get yourself ready to be under the word. Pray for yourself before you leave your house. God, would you speak to me as the word is open? God, would you help me to take delight in what is going on? God, would you help me to take it seriously and not see it as a joke moment? Because what I'm doing is what Jesus did. He's the best preacher in the world. What do you think the Sermon on the Mount is? He got in his bag and opened it up to people. He preached the word, and so we, are, we respect it. And here's the thing. Do you know God wants, Jesus wants to carry on his preaching ministry through you? Our king is a preacher, and you're a preacher. I'm going to show you so you know I'm not making it up. Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they believe without, without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When you share the gospel, you're preaching. And God expects you to do that. Because when you do that, you're giving people an opportunity to experience peace and restoration with God. It's a, that's why it says, how beautiful are your feet? It's a merciful act, and it's an act of obedience. Because when that person hears you, receives the gospel, realizes that they've sinned against God, that their sin has separated them from God, but God in his mercy has provided his son who died in our place, who lived a perfect life for us, When that person receives that message, acknowledges it, and repents of their sin, do you know what happens for them? They have peace, and everything in their future is going to be all right. And so it's an act of mercy and kindness. Now, let me me say a couple things about sharing the gospel. If you're doing it, ask God to give you courage and compassion. Sometimes we're afraid. We need to ask for courage. Sometimes we're just flat out harsh, though. And people are like, mm, I can't receive that because of the way it's coming. But ask for a heart of compassion and kindness towards the people. Don't be disrespectful. Be gentle and not pushy. Again, sometimes why somebody doesn't receive from you is because you're just shoving it down their throat. Gentleness. The other thing is, don't just see the person as someone who you need to convert. All right, Henry, I'm glad you're here, brother. I haven't seen you in so long. Don't just see the person as someone that you have to convert. People are not projects. There are people dealing with real struggles in life. And so see them as people first, not projects. The other one is give people the whole picture. Following Jesus is hard. 
And so slow down. Don't leave out the details. Don't lie to them. Right? You see this in the parable of the sower. Yes, you come to faith in Christ, but then things get hard. The trials of life. There's satanic attacks. Your flesh battles. It's been learning for so long, these old habits. Give people the full picture. Following Jesus is hard, but it's worth it in the end. Tell them the truth. Be humble. Ask lots of questions. Listen. Even learn. And then respond. Practice humility. This last one, be wise with when and how you share. And I say that because this is a hostile culture. And I know some of you work in places where they're like, we don't want any of that up in here. And so we need to be wise in how we share and when we share. Because sharing the gospel in this culture comes with cost. Doesn't mean we run from that. But we need to be aware of that. This last one, our king will rule the nations. Look at verse 10 again. It says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim. And the horse from Jerusalem, the bow of war will be removed. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion, here it is, will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates rivers to the ends of the earth. He will have total and complete dominion everywhere. Jesus will rule. And I want you to know, it'll be a peaceful rule. It's going to not only be a hostile rule, it's going to be a peaceful rule. Notice that it says that he will, he, the, the chariot, the horse, and the bow will be cut off. And he mentions Ephraim and Jerusalem. This is, this is the northern and the southern kingdom. And the horse, the bow, the chariot were their essential tools for war. And God says, when the king comes... These things will be cut off. They'll be no longer needed. Joyce Baldwin, she has a very good commentary on on Zechariah. She said this. She said, it's still only too evident that the disarmament of Jerusalem and peace among the nations are features yet to be fulfilled. See, sometimes you read something in the Old Testament, and you see part of it is fulfilled in the New. That That was the Matthew piece. But this part of the prophecy we're still waiting on. The only realistic hopes of world peace are still center on this king. Isaiah, should be another one, Isaiah 2 says, He will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. People are going to farm and garden. Nations will not take up sword against nation, and they will never again train for war. It will be over. What this means is you will not look at your news anymore and see illegal invasions. You are not going to hear anything about nuclear weapons. CNN will have nothing to tell you because there will be no breaking news. That's all they ever say. There won't be drone strikes. Countries won't have to recruit for their military. You won't have to give sanctions to a nation that's doing something that's disgusting and detestable in the way they're treating human beings in inhumane ways. People will not have to flee from one country to another. None of that is going to be going on. 
there is going to be peace. Instead of fighting, you're going to see nations together praising God. Revelation 7 verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, and people, and language. Unity, look at that. With no, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. You notice it? And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. This is serious praise. And you're like, why are they praising like this? Because on this day, the promises of God, every single one of them will be fulfilled. And so the people of God are getting busy, filled with joy, praising the one who brings lasting peace. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the people lifted their voices saying, Hosanna. Now we sit here and we are waiting like they were waiting. That's how, we, that's, how it, that's how we connect with these people. They were waiting at one point, he came. We are waiting now for him to come. And do you know what we get to do? We get to lift our voices in prayer saying, come Lord Jesus. That's what we do. Now I want to tell you, I was sitting there on Friday and I was like, that's going to be the, the application I'm going to give to our church? Because that's the primary application of the text. Because we're waiting on Jesus. And so the primary thing we do from this text is pray for him to come back. And I was like, oh, that's, I feel like that's not enough. I should give them like 10 things to do. And God, all he did was, was say to me, look at you, Mar." You talk about how you believe in prayer so much and that your church is committed to prayer and you have such a low view of prayer. That sometimes we hear that the primary thing to do in our life is to pray. And we're like, I, should, I feel like I should run out there and protest. Prayer is way more powerful than protesting. Now don't get me wrong, sometimes a good protest is needed. But prayer is powerful. And as a church, we should never have a low, don't be like your pastor. Don't have a low view of prayer. Don't fall into that trap. Have a high view of prayer to understand that when you lift your voice, that God hears you. That when you lift your voice and you ask for Jesus to return, you're asking for everything in this world to be made right. Because when Jesus comes, you won't need NATO. When Jesus comes, there will be no gender and sexual confusion. When Jesus comes, there will be no division and strife. You notice the, the nations are together. When Jesus comes, we won't have to worry about the possibility of food shortage. When Jesus comes, there will be no struggle for equality. All that will be over with. When Jesus comes, there will be no inflation. When Jesus comes, there will be no disease and death. When Jesus comes, there will be no sin and Satan. And so we lift our voice in prayer. Why? Because everything will be right and everything will work right. And so we call on God. This text does two things for you. God gives you this text because he wants you to have peace about your future. God gives us this text because he wants us to pray in the present, to lift our voice, saying, come, 
Lord Jesus. And because we believe in applying the word, we're actually going to take a moment to pray now. And so you can pray with the person who's next to you if you're comfortable, or you could just pray by yourself. If you don't feel comfortable praying, that's all right. But as the church, we're, we are going to apply the, the passage right now by just praying for the return of Jesus Christ and for the endurance of the saints as we wait. So the team's going to come up and they're going to play under us as we, as we pray together. And then Shay and Vivian are going to lead us in a song. So let's take a moment to pray. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.